Welcome back to the Shared Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Susan, and you are listening to episode number 24, Before Packing Up Your Classroom. So today I thought I would share some tips with you on what you should do before and kind of during packing up your classroom, because tomorrow is my last day with students. Well, technically, Monday was my last day with students, but Wednesday is the in-person students' last day, half day, and then Thursday is the last day for teachers. So we're almost there. We're in the home stretch, but I'm teaching summer school. If you haven't listened before, Don't ask me why. I have no idea at this point because I am ready to be done. (laughs) But before we can be done, we want to be smart about packing up our classroom. So the first thing I think about when I pack up my classroom for the summer is I want to plan ahead. So this means I'm thinking about what do I need for next year? And yes, I just want to get out of the school building. It's been one of those years, but I am trying to think strategically about next year's plans because I want to save myself a little bit of that hectic time at the back to school year because I know there's always tons of trainings and meetings that I have to go into so I don't have as much time as I would like to have plus I also need to set up my room and I think they give us five days for trainings and room setup so not a whole lot. So anyway, so when planning ahead, I think about sharpening pencils for the next year. So I want to make sure I have at least a class set, if not two for everybody on hand. And I want to make sure I have the supplies that I need for them. So I tend to always have a little bit of stockpile by the end of the year because I'm kind of frugal (laughs) with my supplies, (laughs) I must say. So I kind of take an inventory and I see what I still need. So maybe I have 10 crayon boxes, but I know I'm having, you know, 20 or 25 students. Then I want to make sure that I make a list and I put down, I need like 15 crayon boxes, maybe 20 to be on the safe side. Now, sometimes the school will provide those kind of things, but it's not always a guarantee. So if I can pick up things at the back to school sale for a quarter each, it will make my life so much easier. So I just kind of do it. The other thing I like to do is make my copies ahead of time. And I have mentioned this before in one of my other podcasts, but it always bears repeating. I think about the staples in my classroom. So I know I'm going to use my sight word booklets. So those are already photocopied. I had a lovely parent volunteer staple them all together after I handed her the copies. So those are done and ready to go. I have my assessment sight word binder ready. I have my phonics assessments ready. So I just kind of thought about the things that I really need to have for next year. And I got those photocopied ready to go. And so I'm going to plan on keeping those in a bin that I'll talk about a little bit later. The second thing you want to think about when you're ready to pack up is you want to think about open house and meet the teacher. I know it's very early, (laughs) but if you don't want to wait to the last minute, this is a really good time to start thinking about it. You want to make sure that you have an introduction letter that kind of introduces yourself to parents And maybe a PowerPoint that goes with that. And it doesn't have to be a crazy long PowerPoint. There's some really great templates you can find, both for free and for purchase on 
Teachers Pay Teachers. And I think I've used a free one that I had gotten in the past. And I've also just used regular old PowerPoint templates. And mine can probably use some sprucing up. But it's super simple. It just says like, hello. It tells, you know, gives me a, gives the students a picture of me with my family. I talk about a little bit about the grades that I've taught. And then I go into like, what is the curriculum we're using? What is my school rules? What, sorry, what are my classroom rules? What are my, the school rules? Just a broad overview like that. And then I want to say, label any folders that you use. So for instance, I have my writing folders every year. So I have certain things I put in page protectors and they go in a three ring folder. (laughs) And so those are like alphabet charts, blending charts. So those are all prepped and ready to go. And then I have a little sticky label that I print off on my computer and I just slap a sticker on every one of them. Now I don't use names on supplies and folders and things. I go by student number. I tend to work in very transient populations. So let's say number one moves and then someone else comes in, you know, a couple weeks later. They can take over number one supplies. I've, you know, after I've cleaned them, checked them out, if they're torn or whatever, I'll give them something new. But if they're still in really decent shape, I just pass them along to the next student. So if you go by what I do and just use student numbers, it's very easy to pre-label everything ahead of time. You don't have to wait on those class lists, which we all know tend to change, especially before the school year starts and then even the first week or two of school while they're waiting for those students that didn't tell the school that they're dropping to be withdrawn. Okay, the third thing you want to do is you want to reflect on any changes you want to make to your classroom. And I don't just mean classroom, but maybe in your teaching style in general. So this could be switching to a new system. Maybe you don't like the way you ran your guided math and you want to change things out. This is the time to start prepping some of those materials. If you can, things like rotation boards, maybe you want to change those out. My reflection for this year is math toolkits. Now, my school, for some really crazy reason, I was told the previous principal didn't like clutter, and they have gotten rid of all math manipulatives. Some teachers still had them, but because I'm new to the school, I came into a classroom that had a first-year teacher in it the year before, and there's absolutely no manipulatives. There's no spare ones. There's nothing. So I want to make sure that I am gathering things to have a math toolkit for next year. And for that, I'm trying to use Donors Choose. And if that falls through, then I'm going to do what I did with my distance kids this year, which I talked about in my uh, podcast episode. I think it was called Virtual Math Setup or How to Teach Virtual Math. So I will try to link to that in the show notes. The other thing is maybe you want to change your guided math supplies or have individual guided math supplies. This is what I'm leaning towards for next year. So very similar to the math toolkit, except at my teacher table, I'm just going to have enough for each small group that comes to me to have 
a certain set of math supplies. So they're not only going to have their reading supplies, but they're going to have their math supplies. So when I'm thinking of this, I'm thinking about what is a high, medium, and low group. What do each of those groups need specifically for where they're at? And because I've taught for a little while, I can think to myself, okay, well, usually when they're low, they're struggling with number identification, counting numbers, adding. So those are the kind of things I'm putting in their kits for that particular group. When they're in the medium group, they're usually on target, right? So what are some things that they need that are going to be grade level appropriate? Maybe that's things like base 10 blocks. And then the high students, what can I provide for them that's going to push them higher? And so I'm looking at maybe there is some kind of math warm-up that's specific to that group only, something like addition or subtraction fluency with higher numbers, and that's going in their guide to math supplies. Now, this doesn't have to be anything fancy. I'm just planning on maybe having a folder that's labeled and probably color-coded for that group that goes in a little Sterilite drawer that I have. Okay, number four, when you're planning on what to do to pack up your classroom for the summer is you want to think in zones. So now we're finally at the point where we're thinking of actually packing up our room. And so, of course, you want to declutter as you go. So to make this very simple, you can simply have zones in your classroom floor. If you've ever watched any decluttering videos or TV shows, they always have like maybe tarps set out. And you don't even have to be that fancy. You can just be like, okay, over by the door is going to be the trash. Over in the middle of the room is going to be a donate pile. And over in that corner is going to be what I'm keeping. And then the easiest thing is to just kind of like lay it all out before you start putting it away. And so by thinking in zones, I mean you want to think about your reading corner, boxing up all your reading stuff at the same time, then your math and boxing up all your math at the same time. And then you want to make sure that you're packing up your library. And the way I do this is I actually get those large gallon Ziploc bags and as many books as I can that go together, I'm putting in a Ziploc bag because I like to stack my bins to make more room because I have a very small classroom and I only have one cabinet. I don't have any closets. I have an under sink drawer (laughs) that is really just doors that cover my under sink area. So I can kind of shove a few things under there, but not too many because it's under the sink. You know, I don't want bugs and I don't want water leaks and stuff on my things. So that tends to be where I put in a like Sterilite box with the lid all my um, overflow of supplies and Ziploc bags and things like that. So in my wardrobe is what they call these movable cabinets on wheels is where I put the majority of my things that are not allowed to hang out on the shelves during the summer. So back to the library. So I like to group my library by genre. So In one Ziploc bag, I try to put all the books from that genre, and it usually takes several bags, but if I can do some in a bag, and then some without, and then some with a bag, and then I just stack them together 
with those, you know, two bags and one sandwich in between that doesn't have any bags, they're going in a box. And so that when I go to pull them out to put everything in the bins, when back to school begins, it's very quick and easy. I just say, oh, here are my books on insects. Okay, let me find the insect tub. Zoom, in they go. I also like to do this with my personal read-alouds. So these are the books that I tend not to give to students. Sometimes I will, it just depends on the students that year. Because some students are not very good with keeping or caring for the books. So I'm kind of leery about giving them access to my personal read-aloud books, which sounds really bad. <laughs> but... You know, there's so many other books that they have access to in my classroom library. And then there's also the school library books that I feel okay with not having them look at my read-alouds. Now, if they ask, of course, I'm going to say yes. But I don't want them just out in my classroom library. That's just my personal preference. So for those, I get these large, I can't remember what they're called. I think it's like a five quart. That sounds a little bit small. But they're these big also Sterilite bins and they fit quite a few books inside. And so I try, I think I have four of them. Yeah. And so I try to put them according to topic as well. So I will put all my back to school read-alouds together in a bin and then maybe with that I'll try to put like all the seasonal ones together so that when I go to open up that tub it's just those are the current books that I need. There's many different ways you can organize that. Do what works best for you. I personally don't want to keep opening up a bunch of different bins to find one particular book um, and I tend to I guess spiral teach throughout the year. So I'm not always focused on, okay, everything with making inferences, that's what we're focused on the next three months. I used to teach that way, which I did really love. But now that I have a very set curriculum that my district is demanding that I use, it makes it a lot harder. Okay, so number six is you want to make sure you have a back to school bin. So this is where those copies come into play. So I just have an extra um, book bin around my classroom that I am not using because it's, you know, end of the school year. So I'm just putting those copies in one of those and I'm making sure that it goes in the front of my cabinet once everything is reorganized so that when I open my cabinet, I know it's right there and I can just pull it out. Another way you can do it is store it in your file cabinet. And just have a, you know, a section that says back to school, and then you can file them in there. And if you make copies that you need for the year, then you want to make sure that you file those in some kind of system. So, for example, spelling is a really great way to do that. You make all the copies for the year, and then maybe you want to label them by week if you have a particular list you do each week. And then that would go in your file folder or your file cabinet. The other thing with back to school is, again, folders. You want to make sure that those are labeled and ready to go for the beginning of the school year. And those can be things like your writing folders, if you have RTI. Um, I tend to do folders for all my students for RTI, 
because I like to progress monitor them at least once a month if they're high to make sure that they're staying where they need to stay. So, and that's just a fluency read. And then I also like to do my running records, which I have a few blog posts written about how I do running records. So that is where I would keep that information. And usually it's just a binder for myself. It's not a separate folder for students. But I think this next year I might start putting their graphs in individual folders. The last school year I just had one file folder in my teacher desk that I just kind of dropped them all in. And then I pulled them out when they needed it. But maybe a folder is a nice little touch for them to have. I don't know. I'll have to think about that. Okay, last but not least is technology. Now, I don't know about you. I'm fairly tech savvy, but I know there's so many teachers that aren't. And I am not tech savvy when it comes to hooking up technology. So you want to first, before you unplug anything, is take pictures and make sure you label your pictures somehow. So maybe like write on a sticky note, document camera, take a picture of it, then take a picture take a picture of the sticky note that has document camera written on it. Then take a picture of the actual document camera, the cords, anything that you need, how it's going from the computer to the smart board if you have one. And then you want to repeat that process with any other technology in your classroom. Take a picture of a sticky note that labels what it is. Take a picture of the actual item. Take a picture of the cords, so on and so forth. So that hopefully when back to school starts and you've unplugged everything and covered it up and shoved it to the corner like they ask you to, you know how to replug it in and get it working before the tech guy can come out, because usually they're pretty pressed for time. Okay, along with the technology, before you unplug it, is you wanna make sure you save any important emails and files. So I don't know about your district, but mine tends to purge things for you (laughs) at the end of each year. So you might go in thinking your files are all on your hard drive, and nope, they've been deleted and purged. So make sure you're saving things. The most easy way to do it is probably to just add it to your Google Drive or get an external drive and save everything over onto your external drive or a jump drive if you have one. And I don't know if you know this, but you can save any email in a Gmail as a PDF. And so you can then take that PDF and then just upload it to your Google Drive and put it in a folder or something like important emails then you have a copy of it. So check that it's saved before you delete it. That would be my advice. Okay, so when you plan on packing up your classroom before you do it, you wanna make sure number one, you're planning ahead. Number two, you're thinking about open house or meet the teacher. Number three, you're reflecting on any changes that you wanna make for the upcoming year. Number four is you wanna think in zones as you pack up. Number five is packing up your library also in zones or by topic or level of the book. And then number six is you want to make sure you have some kind of back to school bin that's labeled so you know that's your first week, first part of the school year, copies all ready to go, everything you need is put in that bin, stored very easily in the beginning of a cabinet. When you open it up, it's right there to go. And last but not least, number seven is to take pictures of your technology and save any important emails 
before you unplug things. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to another episode of Shared Teaching. Don't forget that you can go to shareteaching.com forward slash podcast, and you can request certain topics for upcoming episodes. So let me know if you have any that you want to know about for the summer or even for next school year. I am busy trying to plan out what I'm going to be doing, and I will see you next Wednesday. If you've loved this show, then join me in sharing the teaching, hitting that subscribe button, and leaving us a review on iTunes, so we can be found by more teachers like you who are ready to start sharing the workload. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Find new episodes each week on shareteaching.com. Thanks for listening to the Share Teaching Podcast.